anybody there? Yeah, hi. Hey, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm well. I just have to get my face on. <laughs> <laughs> well, it worked. <laughs> Wonderful. Kelly, I'm so excited that we get to talk because I've been meaning to interview for a long time. <laughs> actually Aww, all, the, so kind. all the way back from the national poetry month in april so uh i'm i'm finally getting caught up so i'm really excited uh to to get to learn from you and see what you're all about and what you're doing so is it okay if we start at the beginning absolutely all right where are you from i'm from rochester new york born and raised actually oh. never lived anywhere else you feel pretty <laughs> good boring. there it's a kind of a great place, actually. Um, it, it's a very small town, but with a lot of very cool things. I mean, we have a really rich past civil rights. First of all, Susan B. Anthony and Frederick Douglass are both buried here. Mm. Um, so it's kind of like a very, it's just an inspiring place to live. I love yeah. being here. And, I've, and again, I'm comfortable here. Mm. Um, it's just a nice place. Yeah. <laughs> it, the history looms in a good or bad way, depending on how you take it, right? I, I, I'm fairly proud of that aspect. Um, I used to live next, almost next door to Mount Hope Cemetery, which is the oldest municipal cemetery in the country. Oh, and awesome. I would walk up and I would walk up with the kids and stuff and we would go and we'd visit their graves and the mm. kids knew the history. And it's just kind of a, it, it's, it's oddly morbid if you think about it. I went to visit graves with my children, but I absolutely <laughs> loved it and everything's, uh, there's just a rich history and, and that kind of inspires me. Absolutely. No judgment here. I actually worked at a cemetery for a time. I was the records person for a while and my son was little at the time. He was probably like four years old and he would want to go to the park. I'm like, this is, it's, it's kind of where we're at right now, but you know, like he misunderstood. <laughs> he thought it was a park, but then we had to, you know, use it as an opportunity <laughs> to teach him about what, what the cemetery was. So he was pretty fond of that, that place as well. Wanted to drive through. So back in the day when you were growing up, do you recall the inklings of creativity coming through? Actually, that's, that's interesting. Yes. Um, when I was growing up, it was the 70s, born in 1970. And my father was a cameraman oh, for a nice. local news uh, station, just briefly. But he kind of fell in love with the camera and he bought one. So early 70s, he used to sit me in front of a camera and have me interview people, like my little brother. <laughs> and he would interview me. And I kind of fell in love with that kind of becoming a character. He would yeah, ask me questions yeah. and I would pretend to be people. Um, that's kind of when it started. I said, oh, I want to act or I want to create characters um, for the screen or for the stage. And I started there. And then, like many in my family, we're jacks of all trades, masters of none. So my creativity kind of came in the form of dance and then uh, writing, um, acting, uh, painting. I've done a little bit of everything and none of them very well. <laughs> oh, I doubt that. I actually, I can attest to that. Having read your work now, like, yeah, I, I definitely doubt that. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> yeah. And I love that because it reminds me of, of my own childhood in a way, because that, that was one of my favorite things to do when I was a kid, but I did it in this format. I would actually I come from a family of musicians, They and my dad had an affinity for the equipment, so he would have the gear around ever since I was a kid, so I would take his recorder, I'd get a microphone and interview people in the same way that I'm doing now. It only took me this long to actually do it <laughs> in this capacity, 
Um, but I love that feeling because it just felt like, and I imagine for you, it was anything goes right. You can, you can really start reaching out and exploring. So you mentioned that you're a, a multi-hyphenate and I'm curious if you ever found a root piece of your creativity that you felt, this is, this is my soul. This is how it manifests in its best form. That's very interesting. My husband and I were just having this conversation because I said, I'm like, what am I going to talk about? I'm, I'm kind of all over the place. And he thought that for me, his feeling is my writing hmm. because there is a thread. Even when you're creating uh, an interview, um, there's an element of exploration, just like there is with writing. And I've listened to your podcast now. I've been listening to it for weeks. Oh, awesome. And you are uh, an excavator. I, I feel that you, you, you get into the question and you dig underneath. And I think a lot of writing is that way too. Mm. And most of the stuff I've been the most successful at, like my husband is, is a musician. We're a family as well uh, of musicians. And I co-write songs with him. Mm. And it's kind of our bonding moment. And, and I, get to, I get to do what I love and do best with my favorite, what I wish I was great at was being a musician. Oh, You know, you always have that. I'm, I'm right that, there with you. I am totally there with you. Like, I, I feel pretty confident in my writing, you know, as a, as a playwright, that's my, my training, but music, I'm always approximating it. You know, I've written, recorded and done that stuff, but it never feels like I'm, I'm at that level. And I'm really excited to talk to you about songwriting too, because, uh, the band is five head, right. That you, yes. that you work with. So that's your husband's band that are you it's guys? It's my band? husband's band. Yes. That's how I met him. I, I went to um, I used to go to his shows. I'm a dancer as well. Um, and I would go and just go crazy <laughs> dancing in front of this band. And they're great. They're like swing and ska. They're hard to put your finger on. Yeah. But he, he, we started dating and very quickly started co-writing songs. Um, he would have an idea that he'd say, I'm thinking of this sound. And he would be mumbling in the next room and I'd be writing down what I thought he was saying and it wasn't what he was saying, but it was really fun and good. And so we just co-wrote a lot of his other bandmates write songs. They're incredible. Uh, Dan Snyder, for example, is his drummer and is just one of the best songwriters around. Um, and he, but Rob and I get together and we just, it, it's this really great moment an exciting mm -hmm. moment. Yeah. And I get to hear it. Because for me, music is my ultimate passion. I, I, I could talk about it forever. Um, <laughs> but it was a way for me to get into that world and yeah. uh, write something that I could listen to and be really proud of. <laughs> and I loved it. I no, loved absolutely. It. And uh, just listening to some of the songs, I, I didn't get a chance to listen to, to all of the albums or anything, but I love the, the, just sort of the freedom that ska gives you that kind of that genre it feels so joyful and i was i was going on my walk on on my break today and i, I was just like this is exactly what i needed but looking at the way that you put together these songs that, that could be like a, a workshop experiment in and of itself just just being able to try to figure out what the other person is is trying to figure out um do you feel like there's a moment in your collaborations where it kind of clipped or there was a piece of, of your collaboration or a moment where you said, okay, we're vibing now. We're totally in, in the zone. What was that like? Yes, it is. An, it's a really, how do I say it? It's a, so joyful. It's almost like it makes me laugh when it happens. <laughs> so it's usually a funny thing. A lot of our lyrics are tongue in cheek and, and stuff like that. But for me, it's this, 
oh, I can't wait to get it out. I'm just writing and writing and we're, and he's singing, he has a beautiful voice and he's just singing and singing. And it just, it just fills me with so much joy and it clicks. And there are times when it does not, and he can tell because I am not having it. I'm like, we're done. I don't want to do this. I hate this song. So it really has to kind of come organically. It's not something that I sit down and do. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm like, oh, I have this song, Rob. I don't ever do that. It's always, he's playing something and it inspires me to write. And that's how I write in general. It's very hard for me to write without someone else feeding me an idea almost. Mm-hmm. Like a friend saying a word or a yeah. fr- another friend of mine will say, this name was funny. And I'll write a story about that name and that character. So it's very hard for me to get inspired without a collaborator or a partner. I guess that's, but it's so joyful. I love people and I love that back and forth with them Mm -hmm. um, in the communication, the creative communication. So when I write a story that someone inspired me to do and I give it to them and the look on their face and they're like, oh my gosh, that's so great. (laughs) That's part of it for me. It's more of a, a conversation. Oh, I, I adore that philosophy. I think it's the way of the performer, right? You, you have to be in the moment to kind of have things come mm-hmm. together in such a way. But speaking of the way that you write and those things come together, I just read your short story, your, your piece of flash fiction that you had out on Twitter. And I just got to say, I love the contrast between how you come off like you're, you seem like a very joyful, full of life kind of person. And the piece, which was phenomenal and right up my alley, was about almost the brutality of society. And I'm sorry if the, the name escapes me right now. I'm it escapes me too because I changed it. <laughs> <at the land. laughs> no, that's, that's good. I mean, it's, it's one of those things. You, you write something, you move on for a little bit. Uh, it was Bulletproof Glass Smeared with Grease. Lovely, evocative title. But I recommend that whoever's listening goes and checks out this piece. It's a very quick read. And it left me feeling like, yeah, this is, this is the brutality of, I, I don't know, I, I guess, let me have you share some of your thoughts on why or how that piece came together, because I don't want to give it away too much. Well, it's interesting. I have a very sunny exterior and interior. I'm a, I'm a happy person. Everybody knows that I love people. But what art does and writing does for me is I get to explore dark things in a safe space. I know that that exists. I've experienced things like that. So when I write, it's usually a thought or an itch in my head that says, all right, this is a reality. Go there. Explore it in a place that doesn't cause you anxiety. (laughs) That won't keep you up at night. Almost all of the things I write almost all are very dark. Um, It's just a place I like to go. I always like the bad guy. I like the irredeemable character. There's something fascinating about that to me. Um, For example, like in Breaking Bad, I just love irredeemable characters. There wasn't a bad character in the whole thing for me. I absolutely adored how how there was no good or bad or it was just all there. And we get to explore it in that safe space and in, in, sometimes root for a bad guy. I mean, Uh it just, there's something about that that's appealing to me. That story came about because I work, I'm a yoga instructor as well, um, but I also work a customer service job. I do so many different things. It's kind of strange. It's almost compulsive. No, I I get you. I get you. (laughs) Um, But my customer service job is really hard 
and it's you get a lot of abuse. There's nothing like answering the phone constantly and having mm-hmm. someone scream at you. Yeah. Um, and and be angry. Um, and so I was just kind of saying, all right, there's people I go get uh my my KFC, which I love, <laughs> and I'll go up. And the poor people are behind glass. The one that we went to in our neighborhood was behind bulletproof glass. Mm. And I found it so crazy. Like we're going into this place and this poor gentleman is behind there. We're exchanging money. And so I just thought what it must be like to be behind that glass and what that does to change a person Um, and how, how it's like a, a, every man for themselves, every man or woman uh, or otherwise for themselves kind of, kind of attitude and, and how that might feel. So I just explored that a little bit. Oh man. And I just have to say it was so successful at it because it, it put you in that place where you felt like this is the, the real psychology of somebody who, who has been there in that situation. And it's so vivid, so immediate that I just, I really love that piece. So, uh, I'm highly recommend it. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to put that in the description so folks can, can check it out, but it's so far. (laughs) I don't know why. Like, I think the stars aligning because my work, it was my kid's last day in in school because school's out. And, and we asked him, what do you want to eat? We can go out to eat, do something fun. We, I want KFC. So that's literally <laughs> what, he, what he said. I'm sorry. Don't mean to make it about me, but I think the stars are aligning. No. I think so, too. <laughs> he's, so, he's a child after my own heart. I, I love that stuff. So bad for me. Oh, man. But it's so good. Now, with... um. There's a, a degree of spirituality that I've noticed in your bios and, and things that you're that you're kind of looking for. Could how would you describe that? Um, and does yoga play a part in that aspect of your life? What's going on there? Okay, so that's interesting. You should bring that up. I was having this conversation yesterday. I was raised with no religion, absence of religion. However, my parents me in Catholic school. So you can imagine, you can imagine the shock and surprise when I come in a, a crucifix, basically, for the first time. Wow. Um, so I never had any religion land. I've never been that person. So I, my life has kind of been seeking truths based on experience, based on other folks that I run into. Um, and yoga Um, while it does play a certain role, I would say what yoga has taught me is to, this sounds strange, to sit through discomfort, Mm. to be okay with uncomfortable situations, whether that's job issues or financial issues or relationship issues, to sit in it, to breathe through it, and to look for solutions. So my spirituality basically is experience and others, Mm -hmm. the people and the connections I make. I have a lot of wonderful people of all different ages that I'm friends with that I, that I seek help from if I need that. And that kind of is how I've, I've lived my life. I love nature. Um, I think food is medicine in a lot of ways. (laughs) I I was raised, I am second generation. My mom's first generation Italian. Mm. Food is love. It is what we communicate with. Um, and so I, I really, I just, I think I've navigated life in a very kind of free fall. Like mm-hmm. I'm in outer space. I don't have a lot of grounding in any particular uh, religious or spiritual foundation. It's just, it's come to be kind of yeah. organically. Yeah. That's interesting because I wonder about that. I'm sort of at the, at the 
opposite end of the spectrum where I grew up in a very Catholic home. I was in a private mm-hmm. Catholic school and, and faith was sort of at the, the focal point of just about everything in life, uh, being, being a Mexican and raised in a very strict Mexican household. But I'm curious, how different do you think life would have been for you if you had something from the onset? I think it might have humbled me a little and I would have made not, not made such huge errors. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. It sounds terrible, but you know, I've lived a life. Um, and, um, I think having some foundation, which I did find through Catholic school, there were m- many moments, um, where, especially I had cancer when I was 37. So I remember a friend across the street, bringing me a rosary and finding that so comforting. And so it's this tangible you know, meditation beads, basically, where I, I could do the rosary, I knew how and go through that. um, And just feel a grounding and a bit of a chant, um, a meditation. Um, And I do incorporate different when I teach yoga, different spiritualities, like I'll read from the Torah, I'll read from the Bible, I'll read from anything that speaks to the truth of what the messages I'm trying to say in my class. Mm. Um, so there are great, I can't, I'm not completely isolated. There are things that come in, but I think I might've had a little bit more of a path <laughs> that I could yeah. follow that some of those moments where I fl- floundered around um, may have been a little simpler. And, and again, my mother was raised in a very Catholic household and so was my father, mm. but they're very rebellious. Uh, and they were like, okay, we're going to yeah. completely not go in that direction. Wow. But of course, when it came to it they put us in Catholic school. <laughs> you gotta have a little bit a little serving of, of you know faith in, a in little some dash. flavor. Yeah, yeah. It might not might not be such a bad thing. Well that's that's um you know intriguing to me. Uh but did you feel did you feel like having that experience at thirty seven when you uh when you were experiencing um cancer, was that something that you've led you to find yoga or was yoga part of your life way before that? I didn't start practicing yoga till I was 40. Mm. I, which was, you know, 12 years ago. So it was after that. Um, I had a friend of mine, I was a runner. I was always, I've been, I ran for years. Um, but a friend of mine said, you know, why don't you try a yoga class with me? And I went, oh, yoga, oh, how boring. <laughs> and she said, no, no, just try it. And I went to just about the hardest class I've ever done in my life. And it probably wasn't that hard, but I was so not used to sitting, which is difficult for me, being in discomfort and being with it. You know, as a runner, it's the opposite of just sitting in the moment. You're running from and getting your endorphins up. And after the class, I was in tears. Mm. And she looked at me, she goes, are you okay? And I go, that was terrible. And she goes, Oh, I'm so sorry. And I, and I just went, yeah, I'm going to do it forever. <laughs> I, I'm hooked. And I wound up being an instructor only two years later. Mm. Um, I fell in love with it. I went, yes, this is exactly what I need. Um, oh, I need to stop running. I need to stop third. I, I can just be in this moment. Um, and it, it, it kind of saved my life. Mm. It contributed to my happiness. Like, oh, frankly. That's, that's absolutely wonderful. And I do wish that we had more yoga services readily available for people, in particular those who are going through a lot of trauma, a lot of difficult situations. It could be just a, uh, life-saving, as you said. Now, uh, back to the writing. You have created this 
amazing community with some of your friends. I'd like to hear a little bit more about your press, the press that you're involved oh. with, because I can't say it in French. Uh, my <laughs> French is, is really bad. And I, you, you folks seem to have such an awesome vibe, and especially with the book club stuff that uh, you folks are posting on YouTube. And your interviews are amazing, by the way. I'm going to link all of that stuff so that people can check it out in the description. Oh, but you. can you tell me a bit about how that came to be and the name, of course? Okay. The name I even have a hard time with. It's Rafanya. It means the, lazy, or the do-nothing kings. Um, <laughs> so I know it's, it's, it's a wonderful story. I, I told you I work in customer service. I was the hiring manager for this customer service um, uh, company. And I hired two people. And I joked that I hired them because I wanted more friends because <laughs> I just love these people. And during the pandemic, it was very slow at work. So we were sitting, the three of us, and Tiffany Stores, who was the editor-in-chief of the press, started to talk about her dream since she was 17, was to have a press that was open and friendly and where the writers owned their own work, where there was minimal uh, conflict between editing and the writer, where if this writing got picked up, they could own it and have it published. And this really altruistic, incredible um, story she's telling me. And I go, well, why aren't you doing it? And she's like, well, you know, it's a lot of work. And I go, I'll do it. And that's <laughs> literally how I'll help you is what I said to her. Mm. So she, her friend Marianne, who's sitting way across the room, she just yells, will you help me? And she goes, sure. What are we doing? This is legitimately how it happened. Um, and so we went to a park. She brought her computer out and had a PowerPoint presentation of the likes I've never seen before in my life of when things were done, what her vision was, graphics. I, I was so blown away. And that's when I was like, oh, this is actually happening, isn't it? We're not, I'm not going to weasel my way out and say, oh, never mind. <laughs> um, and this is her vision. It's absolutely brilliant. And we really, none of what, we have imposter syndrome. None of us feel like we should be like, why are we, should we be doing this? But it has opened up this huge community and the writing community, especially on Twitter. Mm. I've never done Twitter until this year. Mm. And I was worried because I heard it's like negative. I, it, it's the furthest thing. It's all writers. That's who I'm friends with. And it's beautiful, mm -hmm. supportive. Um, I feel so proud to, to have the friends I consider friends. Mm -hmm. um, and like, ooh, making plans. Are you guys coming by New York or we're going to go to Los Angeles? You're in Wyoming, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. I'll be in Jackson Hole in September. <laughs> That's awesome. It is four hours away because this state is oh. deceivingly large. But uh, <laughs> maybe if I'm in the neck of the woods. <laughs> but shout out but to the yeah, shout out yeah. to the writing community, because uh, just to double down on this point that you're making, I never seriously tried Twitter until a year and a half ago. And, and really, it, this is just a testament of how wonderful and, and selfless and giving the community is, you know, to have the opportunity to talk to you and so many amazing people has really been the highlight of anything that I do, you know, uh, creatively right now. So I'm just very, very excited. Um, but please continue. <laughs> well, no, it's really, that's pretty much the story. And then once we got going, my, I, I'm like, let's do interviews. <laughs> I, I love meeting people. I love people. Everyone. They joke. They thought I was full of it when I said I just love everyone. I like people. I like to get to know them. 
And so being able to speak with writers, the genius is unbelievable out there. Um, and how they approach writing is so interesting. And it's just helped me be a little bit more brave. I don't, I never really put stuff out for publishing. Um, I, I felt like writing is my baby mm-hmm. and I don't want anybody telling my baby's ugly. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I suffer with you. <laughs> uh, you. You bring up something that I'm really intrigued by. You, you're a lovely interviewer and I'm curious if you have switched up the toolkit in your interviewing process from when you started the series to where you are now? Because you've, you've done quite a few of them at this point, haven't you? Yes. And I think the beginning, I was so nervous. And we had a set. We didn't want to make the people we were inter- interviewing feel nervous. So we would send the questions out. But what I'm noticing now is that even though I asked the question, I'm kind of segueing off a little bit and digging a little deeper into th- like you are it, it, into things that intrigue me. It's less rote. In the mm-hmm. beginning, it was very scripted, and I'm trying to move away from that just a little bit. So that's been the change. Um, mo- that's basically the biggest change, definitely. Mm-hmm. How do you think it's made your writing, talking to people in, in this capacity and, and getting to pick their brain? I think it's made me less scared. I think it makes me feel like I'm not alone in my boat. Because when you hear people say, oh, the, re- the, 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 the rejections that come through hurt. Mm-hmm. Oh, so that's everybody's journey. People aren't just walking around submitting and going, whatever. <laughs> you know, it really means something to everybody. Yeah. Um, I, I, my dad writes. Um, he wrote his own book. And he's just fearless when it comes to that stuff. Um, I'm not. Um, so it was always like, oh, I don't know if I will even want people to read it. Mm. But now that there are folks that, are, that I'm speaking with who have felt the same way, also folks that started later on in life. Um, you know, I, I was always a writer, but really putting it out there and putting effort into it has been fairly recent when I've had time. Right, right. And you said something that goes along those lines. And when you were talking in the book club, one of the, I think it was the first or second episode, you you kind of offhandedly said that, that y- your dreams died at some point in time. Yeah. And <laughs> I, that's, that stuck with me. And I felt that so much because I think that we all have moments in our lives where something just halts or breaks our heart. It breaks our creativity and just grinds us down. And if you feel comfortable, I'm curious what happened. I'm, I'm really intrigued by, by that. Interesting. So I always say those things offhandedly and in a joking format. And then I'm like, oh, I'm not really kidding. (laughs) And you caught me. Um, So I, dreams. I wanted to be an actress. I wanted to be on the stage very young. And I wound up having my daughter very young. She didn't ruin my dreams, but I made different choices. And from that point on, I had to get a job and earn money. and. Um, while I still did stuff here and there, I did some voice work for cartoons and commercials. Mm. It wasn't, it wasn't what I had planned. Yeah. And then sometimes when you get in that rhythm, you're like, okay, I can just set that aside. That's fine. Then coming out of the pandemic, I realized, you know, I, I have to do something. I have to enjoy myself in some way. Mm-hmm. that brings out that creativity. And a friend of mine, my friend Lori, had called me. I was suffering, really 
like, wow, like what is the purpose of all this? All my kids are gone. The mm-hmm. pandemic hit. I was like, oh my goodness. And she goes, maybe you should start writing again, like for yourself, not for Rob and the songs, not for somebody else, but maybe you should start writing. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then that kind of started me down that path. And then of course, Tiffany with her idea. And I'm like, okay, all signs point to yes. But it was just being young and a mom and yeah, yeah. kids. And, and I got to say, I appreciate your, your honesty and sharing that with me because every time I hear a story like that, it just makes me feel like a lot of the things that we were worried about at the time end up being something that takes us to a better place. Like I feel like I was in the same boat where I wanted to do a lot of these big things. I wanted to write and direct. And, and to some degree, that's what I do now. But when my wife and I had our, our child, everything changed. And then I realized, what have I been doing? You know, it, it just really <clears throat> felt like, like I didn't have context. I was just dreaming. And then when I had my child, it's like everything started making sense. And I don't know. It just sort of seems like things work out, you know, and, and those, those tragedies that we experience early on maybe uh, feel a little bit more manageable after the fact. But here you are now creating amazing things and writing beautiful work. And I'm going to keep listening to, uh, to your band, to your husband's band as well in your, <laughs> your lovely songwriting. But there's still output, right? I mean, you look back now and you realize, you've been at it for a while doing a little bit of this and that, and you have given so much through your craft. And I, I think that's to be commended. Oh, thank you so much. And I, I really appreciate that. And I, I, I joked with my husband earlier. I said, I think most of what I create is at the behest of other people. I love to be of service to people. Um, it's something I'm very passionate about. So if someone says, Kelly, we, we have a birthday coming up. Could you write a poem about that person? Yeah, it yeah. always came out in those things or I, I'm making a cartoon, would you be the voice of this person? It's always been kind of at someone else's behest. What's cool now is that I get to do it on my own. It's a lot harder. Yeah. It's a lot harder to allow myself to do it, just to do it. Um, but it really feels good. I feel very whole in, in a different way than I ever have in my whole life. Hmm. I'm like, oh man, 52 is awesome. I keep saying <laughs> it. Like, wow, I finally feel like myself. And I, I, I really do. And I don't, it's not the age. It's what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's, it's hitting on all uh, the cylinders at this point. Oh, I love that so much. I am very inspired and I'm very grateful for your inspiration and all the awesome stuff that you're doing. Um, I did want to ask you, what are some projects that you feel like you have on the horizon or things that you're actively working toward? Well, um, through the press, we are do, going to be doing our own little zines in print form. We're trying to figure out what that is. Um, for me, I love dark stuff, noir, crime, horror. So I'm going to have my own little print zine that is going to be, you know, I'm going to re- get um, different uh, uh, submissions. I'm going to, like, one from the, the editor. I'm going to have a story for the editor and then take different horror, genre, uh, crime, stuff along those lines. Uh, poetry that's dark. Um, and I'm going to be start doing that. That's on the horizon. We're still working those out. And Tiffany's got hers that she's going to be doing um, called Frenchie. I think it's hers <laughs> is called, which I think is adorable. Um, and uh, so that's basically what I'm doing, what I'm focused on. Mm-hmm. Uh, the press is just is rolling. And we're really trying to keep that momentum. We'd love to break into some print zines. I've been going uh, questioning 
independent bookstores in our area, but would you ever take chat books so we can start bringing people's chat books to local yeah. uh, bookstores, which we have some here in Rochester. It's a pretty thriving writing community. So that's kind of next on the horizon. Oh, lovely. A lot. <laughs> lovely. But it's, it's very awesome to hear that there's fun stuff coming. Now, I meant to ask you this earlier because I feel like it, it gets us on the right track, but we've been on the right track anyway without this question. But I'm curious for my own selfish reasons, what kind of stuff blew your mind when you were younger? Uh, things that you were that you were consuming, whether it was a book or a movie, music, what were some things that really lit your imagination? Well, there's a lot. I like I said, I'm jack of all trades, so I have a lot of different things. I'll take one music of each. Music is music's <laughs> number one. Music was it. Um I actually wrote a song that the, or wrote a story that the press, Raphael Press published, one of the first editions, called A Song for the Apocalypse. And it was about a Crosby, Stills, and Nash and Young song, Judy Blue Eyes. When I was like two, that was my favorite song. And I would dance like a lunatic to this song, my dad said. <laughs> but that's kind of how it always has been. Like Sgt. Pepper, Lonely Hearts Club mm. Band, that album, as a child, I would put it on and just act out the whole thing. Anything that had to do with music, I was absolutely riveted and upset, obsessed with. Um, so music is definitely it. My mom played Pavarotti musicals all the time. Mm. Um, we were constantly listening. My dad would bring in the Earth, Wind, and Fire and <laughs> the, the Marvin Gaye. And that, you know, it was just constant in our home. So for me, it was music that blew my mind at first. Um, secondly, I would say, you know, I know he's not popular. But when I was nine years old, I saw Annie Hall. Mm. My dad took me to see Annie Hall when I was nine years old. <laughs> so <laughs> Different times. However, <laughs> however the, it, it, I can recite it. Mm -hmm. I, it blew my mind. Yeah. It, it, nothing in it should have interested a child, but it was written in a way that somehow, I don't know if an old soul or something, spoke to me it made me sad at the end i remember crying at the end wow and i and i just loved it um so then movies film and then i went okay i need to act i want to do that i want to do musicals i want to be on the stage and then dance came in and i was passionate about dance and i still am um so it's all these things kind of snowball one after the yeah, other yeah and i just absolutely loved all forms of art oh and then painting my house is like covered. I have friends who are artists and I just take their art and just throw it everywhere. <laughs> so again, it, I'm passionate just about anything that comes from outer space through a person's brain and onto their expression. I truly love artists of all, of all kinds. So I'd say what blew my mind first was music, then movies, books. Interestingly enough, the first book that blew my mind was Carrie. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I got, I got I to tell 10. you something. I, I got to tell you something. I was learning English. I think I was about 11, 12 years old and I read Carrie and I wasn't supposed to. Uh, I was in a very strict household and books I could get away with. And Carrie was the first book that made me feel like really empathized with the outsiders, the people who were struggling and, and those on the, on the fringes of society and, and community in a lot of ways. And Holy shit, what an awesome book. What, yeah. a, what a life affirming, 
in a really strange way. Not in, <laughs> I don't know why, but like, it just felt like, wow, this is, this is some damn good stuff. But again, I was, I was very young and Annie Hall as well. <laughs> it's just, it is so funny. Yeah. But no, you, you say that, you know, you're raised in, in, in your, in your home was very strict. Are you, so are you, your first generation I am. on your side? I am. Yeah. So my, my parents, uh, Mexican, uh, born and bred, they came over to Wyoming of all places. And, uh, yeah, this is, this is home. You know, it, it's, it's an interesting dilemma. (laughs) (laughs) My mother talks about it a lot about how she always growing up because my grandparents, um, spoke limited English at first. And my mom's first language is is Italian when she was of course spoken to at birth in Italian. Yeah. Um, so when she got older, I think when she learned English, it was like in kindergarten, mm-hmm. like she went to kindergarten and what she picked up on TV, she got, but that's when she learned and just to, to straddle those two worlds, mm-hmm. um, one foot in each and never yeah. quite feeling like she oh, was yeah. in the middle, squarely in the middle. That's, that's where we live mm-hmm. our lives. But mm-hmm. I got a couple more questions for you to be mindful of your time. Got to make sure that I cover everything because <laughs> you, you've given me, you give me a lot of awesome stuff. Um, let me ask you this. Why, what, what have the arts given you in your life? What are, what is the takeaway after all this time that you've had with the arts and, and, you know, this work, what has it given you and what can it do for someone else? Wow. That's, that is literally a question I've never thought of. I, I, I think it's given me what I'm working so hard for. I've never been a person whose career needed to define them. My career is a means to an end. The joy is in the art. The fun, the good times, the silliness, the being scared, the being intrigued, the being thoughts being provoked is what it's given me. That's the life. Everything else is the means to an end. That's how I feel about it. That's what I feel art is. It is the reason I have to do all this other stuff. (laughs) (laughs) It's the reason I work in customer service is that I get to after go see a concert. I get to go and purchase a book. I get to go and have some art. I get to go and enjoy a band live. I get to perform. Um, That's what it means to me. It is the life. Everything else is just to support that, a support system for all that joy. That is lovely. And Kelly, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to do this. I want to congratulate you for all the awesome work that you guys are doing on the press for your writing, which is phenomenal. And for all your other creative endeavors, uh, this has been a really, really inspiring thing. And I'm just really grateful for your time and for all of these awesome takeaways. So I hope that we get to catch up down the road and you know, whenever you have anything else going on, feel free to stop by and say hi, because we could go on for forever and ever. Cause I just, I, I love all that you have to say in your energy. It's awesome. Oh, thank you so much. This has been so great. I, I have to say, I was very nervous. I've been listening to your incredible <laughs> podcast, which I can't say enough about. Oh, goodness. And speaking of wonderful energies, you, you bring ease to people, just your general vibe. <laughs> I, and also, you're, you're just an interesting and interested person. And I just think that's wonderful. So thank you so much for having me.
Oh, it's a pleasure. Kelly, I will see you on Twitter. <laughs> All right, my friend. Thank you. All right. Thanks so much. You have a great night. You too. Hey there. Before I go, I just wanted to thank you for listening to the podcast. If you're enjoying Arts Calling, please consider rating and reviewing the podcast wherever you listen to these episodes. Every little bit helps to bring awareness about these wonderful artists that we're featuring on this podcast. And don't forget to say hi. I'm over on Twitter at Cruisefolio, and I would love to hear from you, love to know what you're working on, and I wish you the best in life and craft. Make art, make haste, and much love.